Hello, the message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's Favorite House Canada. We pray that as you listen, God's light will flood your heart and transform you forever. Amen. Father, we pray that when it is all said and done, it is the praises of your name that will be on our lips. Whatever the case may be, we will always worship you. Father, we thank you for all that you continue to do in our lives, individually and as a family. It is just by your grace. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, as we go into your word today, we pray that you touch us like never before. Father, you said that we do not receive because we do not ask. We are asking now, Father, that anyone that is listening, either here on the internet, either on YouTube or any platform, that you touch their lives like never before. That they will be able to put a marker on today and say, this is the day that my life turned around for good. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For in mighty, for in Jesus' mighty name we have worshipped. Praise the Lord. Welcome once again to church. Um, thank you for welcoming us into your homes once again. We don't take it for granted. And we pray that as God is blessing us right here, he's going to reach out to you in your homes and bless you in the name of Jesus. The title for our message today is Focus. I mean, it's isn't it interesting that January is already gone. When was it that we were dancing Happy New Year here? One month, one over 12 is gone. And if you are like me, setting, um, what do they call it now? New Year resolutions. January 1st, I'm like, I'll do this, I'll exercise more, I'll do this one, I'll do that one. But by the second, third, You'll be like, oh, I can't come and kill myself. And no, it's not by Lepau. <laughs> Praise God. But we need to focus. I mean, what has gone out this year, that this is our year of divine lifting, and this is our year of access, and so shall it be in the name of Jesus. But the devil is out there. He's also listening and saying, hey, you guys, you say today, this year is your year of access, right? Let's see. And reading from the book of Hebrew, 12, 1 to 3. The message translation says, no, sorry, sorry, that's uh, Deuteronomy 15, 4 to 5. He said, there should be no poor among you, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he's given you as a special possession. So this year, God has said it is our year of lifting. God has said we will have divine access this year. But if we apply this to our case, he said there should be none that will not get out of this divine lifting. But the truth is that, what does should mean? That means it, it, it can happen and it may not happen. And if you go further down to verse 5, it says, you will receive this blessing if you, if you are careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. So, in a nutshell, if we lose focus from what God has told us, then 
that divine lifting, that divine access that God has given us on a platter of gold may be missed out. I pray, I pray that none of us will miss out in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we are going to be discussing, discussing about uh, seven things that we can do to help us focus on the things that matter. And number one will be fix your gaze on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says, message translation says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Who both began and finished this race we are in? Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Praise God. I mean, I like the way the message translation, it's very relatable. It's not like the thou shalt kind of King James Version. It is very relatable. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting when, when I see Christians that model their lives around some other people. I mean, it's fine to have role models, but Jesus should be our number one role model. I mean, if it's only logical. If you've seen someone, if there's something you want to be like, Aren't you going to look at how that person did it so that you know how? I mean, I, I watch football a lot. You see a lot of times they say, maybe there's a particular role. Let's say the Claude Makalele role. This guy has played this role so well. And then you see a young star coming up, and they will say, this is the new Makalele. This is the new Beckham. Because they have modeled their game along what this guy has done. They have, you see them saying that they've watched every game, every tape of how this guy plays his game, and they model their game after that. So the Bible is telling us here that we should look at Jesus. He has gone through it all. Another transition says he's the author and finisher of our faith. So when someone authors something, that means he has the playbook. He knows what it should be like. So we should strive to be like Jesus. Study the word of God to know how Jesus lived. I mean, I used to have one boss, Christian Christian, he called himself, but this guy lived his life by all these philosophical, you know, all these books that people read, uh, The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli, when they'll tell you that when you are killing your enemy, kill them to the last generation so that nobody will come after. You know, all these kind of philosophies that criminals in the criminal world, the, the, the organized crime people, they follow, he lives his life by that. And then he will now be surprised when he starts getting the results that criminals get. No, you should live your life, model your life along uh, the lines of what Jesus did. And you know, the funny thing about this boss of mine is that all you needed to do is, if he has done anything to you in the office, just go to the front of his desk and say, Oga, you, you, and go. The guy will come to your house that night and beg. Because of what? Because he has not modeled, he's not living his life as Jesus Christ told him to. As a Christian, he's looking at what Niccolo Machiavelli said. So in his mind now, for you to come and say, Oga, you, you, you two, you are 
you have something planned for him. That's his own thinking. So, I mean, you can't continue to live your life like that. Praise the Lord. Number two is fellowship. Now, when I say fellowship now, both vertical and horizontal, the truth is your level of lifting and access will be determined by the quality of your relationships. The quality of relationship with God and the quality of relationship with your fellow human beings. God are going to bring people to you that will help you to get to this divine lifting, that will give you access to what God has planned for you. But I'm going to be dwelling more on fellowshipping with God. So John 15, 45 says, stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. Stay joined to me, and I will stay joined to you. No branch can produce fruit alone. It must stay connected to the vine. It is the same with you. You cannot produce fruit alone. You must stay joined to me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I to you, you will produce plenty of fruit. But separated from me, you won't be able to do anything. Praise God. So it is, it is very clear. If we don't cultivate our relationship, I mean, the, be, the best relationships you have, your friend, let's say anybody that is your friend, someone you call your best friend, how did that person get to be your best friend? It's simply spending time together, wanting to know this person. Husband and wives, how do you cultivate your relationships? It is simply because of the amount of time you spend together. So we need to be able to spend time with the Holy Spirit Spend time with God. I mean, isn't it amazing how when God says, will I do anything without telling my friend Abraham? Don't you want it to, to be said of you too that God will say, don't, will I do anything without telling my son I can tie up? I mean, and that, that thing that was going to happen, the Sodom and Gomorrah, it wasn't like it was directly impacting Abraham. But still, God said, I need to tell him. Now imagine if it was something that was going to impact him directly. So is, it, is, is, is God going to be able to say, ah, in London, Ontario, there's going to be something that will happen. Hmm, I need to tell my son. I need to tell my daughter so that they know how to prepare for this. I mean, one of the ministers, uh, one of the uh, ministers in GFH Nigeria gave a testimony one day. And it was just it was re, uh, talking about something that happened in the past. Say June 12, 1993, during the elections that happened in Nigeria that was annulled. I woke up in the morning because there was so much excitement during that period. Ah, everybody wants to go and vote. But he woke up in the morning and the Holy Spirit told him, you better go and sleep. Like, ah, go and sleep. Ah. I want to go and vote now. And the Holy Spirit told him that that election will be canceled. And he just went back to sleep. And that was exactly what happened. Now, with all the violence and everything that happened during that period, imagine if maybe God told him that so that he doesn't get in harm's way. So we need to be able to cultivate our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. And if you go to John 15, 11, it says, I have told you these things so that you can have true happiness that I have. I want you to be completely happy. So it is not, it is not that, yes, God wants to have a relationship with us. Yes, he wants, he wants us to, 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 to know each other deeply. But it is ultimately for our own good. He wants you to be happy. 
tell me, if you don't read your Bible, you don't pray, you don't do anything, is it going to change God? He's not going to change his, he's not going to change anything in God. He is God regardless. So it is for our own good. Praise the Lord. Then number three, forget not past victories. This is something that I still pray to God to help me with. You know, it's, 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 it's common that we have a prayer list. And when it's answered, we just check it off and focus on the ones that have been, that we are still praying for and forget the ones that he has helped us with. But you know, when you remember the things that God has done for you, it builds up your faith. I mean, if you, if you are in a, say you are in a financial jam and you are looking, how will I do this thing? But if you remember that last week I still had an issue that God miraculously resolved, then you have faith to go forward to say that, okay, I know, I know, he's my father now, he's not going to leave me. And the classic example of what this um, forgetting past victories does, I'm going to be reading from First Kings. Uh, it's a long story. It's 18 and 19, but I'm not going to read 19. I'm going just to. So it's, it's the. So what happened in First Kings 19 is when um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So when he called down fire from heaven and killed all of them and all of that. And then after that had happened, then I'll start from 19. It says. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent his message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. I mean, that was very funny to me. You that God just used to call down fire to kill all the prophets of Baal, and then one woman is saying, I'll kill you. And you're afraid and fled for your life. It could only be that way because he had forgotten what just happened. Because there's no way I'll be, even ordinary as human beings, when we're kids, you have one, somebody threatening you and your elder brother comes and beats up that person. And then someone else, even if that person is bigger than your brother, you won't think that. you say, what? When my brother is there, the only way Elijah was afraid and fleeing for his life is because he had forgotten the past victories that he had. Praise God. Let's go forward. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Can you imagine? <laughs> I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. That is how we all behave. When troubles come, you take your eyes off God and look at the troubles and say, ah, this thing is too much for me. When things that are more than that, God has even done for you in the past. But because we do not remember, that's why the children of Israel they're always having one stone to say, this is where this one happened. This is where that one happened. So that they remember. Praise God. So, so from verse 5, say, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. 
So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? As if God was saying, what is your problem? What are you doing here? Why are you running Elta Skelta? You know what to do. Just call upon me and I'm there like flash. But listen to what he said. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. Turned down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. God said, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Within whisper, when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's almost like God showed himself to him and now asked him again, whether I come to his senses, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, the same response, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Azael to be king of Aram. Then anoint, anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshil, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. You see what's forgetting has caused Elijah now? Probably... It wasn't in God's plan to replace him yet. But I just did, I just killed all the prophets of Baal in your very presence. And someone is threatening you, you are running around. And God was even trying to jog his memory. He still was saying something else. And God said, anoint someone else to replace you. May you not be replaced in the name of Jesus. And that leads to my next point, fear not. You see what fear has caused Elijah. And you know, the devil is so good at using fear to catch people. Because he knows that once you become afraid, your focus has already diverted from God and diverted to the problem. Because that's the only way. If, 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 you, if you focus on God, then you cannot be afraid. And the thing is that God knows that is a tendency that we have as human beings. I've heard that there are 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for each day. So he keeps hammering it, fear not, fear not. You don't need to fear. I have won this battle, fear not. Praise God. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Fear will keep you from achieving God's utmost for you. I pray in the name of Jesus that if there's any one of us struggling with the spirit of fear, that God in his mercy will rid you of that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because you won't, be, you won't even be able to take those steps. I remember when, I'm, I always give this testimony every time, how God helped us to get our house. When we went to sign our papers, I had only $1,000 in my account. 
But what do you think fear would have told me? Are you mad? The $1,000, I want to go and buy a house. Where will you get it? But because God helped me, and with the relationships I had, that's going back to that fellowship relationship again that we mentioned earlier, with the relationships I had around me, helped me build my faith up to go ahead. Praise the Lord. Number five. Number five is fight. You have to be ready to fight. I mean, <laughs> sometime last week, I was, I think it was online, or I saw the news, and somewhere in British Columbia, the police were saying that at various intersections, they, were, they, they saw um, rice and coins, all sorts of concoctions. <laughs> and, you know, I was just laughing because, you know, coming from the part of the world that we come from, we, there's some kind of spiritual awareness that we have that they don't have here. And the police was saying anybody should come out because they don't understand what was happening. I said, ah, you cannot understand. <laughs> so that is why you have to fight, even in this Canada. That your colleague that you think is just coming to work has gone to place something at the intersection. We cannot afford to live our lives just... The devil is not sleeping, so we cannot sleep. We have to be ready to fight. God has won the victory for us. It is, I mean, isn't it even wonderful that you know that you are fighting, you know the end result of the fight, but just fight. Because if you don't fight, the devil is not ready to... Adam and Eve, has, they gave him right to be here. And he will, he will claim it as much as he, he can. It is left for you to claim the victory that you have in Jesus. Praise the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Thank God we, as a church, we, we are big on fasting and prayers. We just finished our 21 days fast and prayer, and testimonies are beginning to roll in, and it's continuing to roll in in the name of Jesus. And tomorrow again, 1st of February, we have our monthly fast again. We are going to fast and come for our prayer meetings, and we'll keep striking. We will not be like Jeroboam. When they told him to strike, and he just strike, struck three times, and that was it. No, we will continue striking on the devil until the devil is totally defeated. Imagine if, if, if Daniel had stay, said, "Okay, I've prayed and went to bed," and the angels, the the, the 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 demons were stopping his prayers from coming. Imagine if he had rested and said, "Okay, that's it, one shuke shuke prayer," and and moved on. Probably the angels would have gone back and said, "Ah." I don't think this guy really needs this thing. Let us save this fight for when he really needs it. Like someone said, um, the, the proof of desire is in the intensity of pursuit. So if you really desire the lifting, then you have to pursue it intensely. You have to do all it takes. Ephesians 6, 1 to 18 says, A final word, be strong in the Lord, Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every, every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm, 
Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from your good news, from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fairy arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Praise the Lord. I mean, we cannot overemphasize the power of prayers. We have seen people come with prayer requests during our prayer meetings, and we've seen God work. Prayer works. And we, we cannot afford to live our lives. I mean, it, we are soldiers. And what do you think would happen to a soldier that goes to the war front and says he wants to Facebook and Instagram? Or eats when the war is going on? That one, that one is not, that one is, we can't even call that one collateral damage. That, that one. <laughs> so that is what you and I have. We are soldiers, so we can't afford to act like civilians because the opposing army are not playing. They are shooting darts now, every now and then. And don't think that because you have left Africa that you are free. Exactly. You have all sorts going on here. You can't believe it. You know, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> so number six, number six, forgive so that you will be forgiven. I know it is a tough one. You've had people that have hurt you badly, and you said, no, I cannot forgive this person. We've had instances of people that, that say that, I'd rather not get my breakthrough if you, it means for me to forgive this person. Well, God forbid that you'll be one of those that will say that in the name of Jesus. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, isn't it heavy that Jesus Christ has come to die on the cross to forgive our sins? But the only thing that can hinder us from getting that forgiveness is us forgiving someone else. I mean, it's like, it's like drinking poison and hoping that it will affect someone else. You are holding a grudge. You are saying you are not forgiving someone. Meanwhile, that person is going about living their lives. Probably they don't even know that you are holding any unforgiveness against them. I pray that God will help us to forgive in the name of Jesus. And there are three things we can do to help us to forgive. Number one is you have to decide to forgive. Because you can't just, if you say you want to wait until you feel like, you will never feel like. There's nobody that ever feels like forgiving. It's just a decision that you have to make that, okay, I want to forgive this person. Number two, you have to depend on God to forgive. You cannot do it on your own. You have to go to God and say, God, help me. God, help me to forgive this person. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can truly forgive. And then number three, we have to obey. You see, there are things that God has said we should do. Regards forgiveness. You have to be ready to obey them. First one is pray for them. Luke 6, 27 to 28 says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. So you have to pray for them. 
and it's not not the the kind of prayer that you pray for yourself, or not just any prayer. You have to pray for them from your heart, not just uh, I pray for them. What you pray for yourself, you pray for them. Praise the Lord. And then number two, you have to bless and do not curse them. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I mean, I was listening to someone's testimony on how I dealt with him on this uh, unforgiveness. He said, he started saying, okay, I want to forgive. And he started praying for them. He just say one line prayer, say one line prayer. And then he still felt that he was still, he was still feeling that heaviness in his heart. And he was like, Holy Spirit, but I'm doing what you said I should do. I'm praying for them. And the Holy Spirit said, when you pray for yourself, you spend hours. And then you pray for this person, you spend two seconds. Start praying for them like you pray for yourself. And then number two, buy a very quality gift and go and give to this person. I was like, well, ah, how? This person hurts me. I should go and give him a gift again. The Holy Spirit was like, yes, buy a gift. Something like a gift that you wish someone would give to you. Buy it and go and give to that person. And he took that gift and took it to that person. And when he got to that person, he started talking. And he found out that a lot of the thing, the thing that he was carrying in his head, all of, a lot of people were perceptions, reading wrong signals and all of that. Now, if he had just stayed on praying for him, fine, he had forgiven him. But he would have not gotten that release that he got from just obeying the Spirit of God. So when we do this, we need to be ready we, decide, we need to decide to forgive, depend on God to forgive, and obey whatever the Holy Spirit is telling us uh, to do. Praise God. And finally, you have to flee from sin. I mean, this should probably, I, I struggled with, maybe I should say this one first or not, because it's big. We cannot be saying that we are praying, we are doing all of these things that God should lift us up and we are living in sin. No. It will not work because God cannot behold sin. And the thing is that temptation will come. It would come because even Jesus Christ, the devil tempted him. How much more me and you? And the funny thing is that when this temptation comes, the devil will package the things that he knows that you like, the things that you know you are walking towards, Look at how, what he tempted Jesus with. He said, bow before me and I'll give you the kingdom of the earth. Well, he knows that Jesus came back to redeem the world, to redeem us here. But he wanted to give him shortcuts. You don't need to die now. Just bow before me. In the same way, you are praying for promotion. And the boss is saying that, just go out with me. You get this promotion. In fact, I'll give you two levels up. And you say it's an answer to prayer. No, it is not an answer to prayer. It is temptation. Praise God. But the good thing is that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So God has already told us that, see, there's nothing that will come your way that will be too much for you to overcome. Just go to God. And, and, it, and that goes back to the relationship. When you have a sound relationship with God, it will guide you through the mind pits. It will guide you through the landmines that the devil would 
definitely set before you to hinder you from getting your divine lifting. Praise the Lord. Now, in closing, if there is anyone that is not right with God at the moment and you do not even know God as your Lord and Savior and you're thinking how will these things work for you, the first thing you need to do is to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. He is calling out to you today. He wants to be your friend. He wants to guide you through the landmines and all the pitfalls that the enemy can put before you. He wants to help you to focus, but the decision is in your hands right now. The door is open to you right now. Just open the door of your heart and let him in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that as everyone here has listened to this, that it will not stand against them on the day of judgment, that rather it would help them to live their lives that they have proposed it for them to be. That everyone that is hearing me today would enter into their divine lifting in the name of Jesus, that you grant them access like never before in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Thank you.